0: There's our disclaimer. Obviously, guys, find us on our socials, like, subscribe, show your support. We are jumping into an exciting week this week, and I have just so much to cover. Let's start, though, with our review. So we like to go into the beginning of the podcast doing a review on our last technical analysis, both on gold and on the S&P 500. And if you've been watching either of these or just the markets in general, the S&P 500, uh, you know this was an interesting week and you know that what happened with the Fed pause rate, the market uh, highly reacted to this. And so I wanna bring those charts up and what we're gonna do really quickly for my listening audience, I'll do my best job to describe what's going on, but for my viewers, I wanna show you exactly what's going on here and why so let's go ahead and jump into our charts on green chart and what we're going to do last week so i drew these lines in and for whatever reason my line didn't save but we did a technical analysis and the last friday we had to kind of draw in these new uh channels that were going on to the bullish uh direction and this was on gold now if you remember last friday that was the 27th and we were looking at this chart and if guys don't recall and i'm just going to move this for a minute so you guys can see it better But we're going to zoom in last friday gold during that morning was at like 1950 1940 uh price that morning while we were on and we were drawing this channel there's this non-linear support so there's this kind of like wall that the price is climbing on this ladder so to speak that it's climbing And the slope was really steep. But we said because of the bullish uh, attitude or sentiment, while also being above this 1973 or this $1,973 price for gold, What it's created is this pressure to break. And we've always talked about this, and we talked about it last Friday, that the 2000 level was going to be very significant resistance. It always has been. But within one day, right after our webinar, it not only bounced for our viewers, you can see this candle, it not only bounced off our uh, nonlinear support, it also stayed above the 1973 level. But once it hit 2000, It really like the next day, which was Monday, then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, we saw this kind of, uh, bearish run right back to our 1973 level. So guys, I just, I look at this and I go, you know, one, we had some great trade opportunities on Friday, uh, which definitely went the direction that we thought Monday came in, we got some news and sentiment, uh, well, and the 2000 technical level that it pushed up against, and it just came down. You can see it very clear here. So there were just using our technical analysis from Friday. Obviously, you'd want to update this and make changes as you go through the week. But just from Friday's analysis, you probably had one, two, three, four trades just inside of our support and resistance levels and this breakout from our... uh, Channel, or you could say this trend that we've had over the last three weeks. So there's gold. Let's jump over really quick to S and P 500. Uh, I'm going to switch this up so we can see it better. And it's the same story. We set you guys up so well on the S and P 500. I want to show you this. And again, I'm going to have to kind of show how this chart works because we had this change and let me just kind of mark what where last friday was last friday was the 27th and it should be that's the 20th right there we're going to zoom in so we can see it really well and you can see we marked this and we had s p 500 coming down into that day and we marked this 4107 price as support and we were also at the bottom like we talked and we're going to to make some adjustments we will when we do this trade later but uh we were clearly at the bottom of this kind of channel or this stair stepping that was happening towards the down or the uh bearish direction and so last friday so we have to get rid of this this was from before got to make sure to save these last friday we saw this and we said you know what based on this support, it's going to be very likely that we're going to have price movement into this channel. And what did we have? Literally, bull, 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 three posted days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday bull as this uh, 4107 level held. And then we've got this new channel that's going into the upside. But as we adjust this, you'll, you'll be able to see that we're kind of within that price range. So we're going to be likely pushing up against some uh, resistance again just from a technical level but we'll go over that towards the end of the training so that's that's a review our recap from last week you can see how these technical levels just make such a huge difference in your trading it's a way to go out and impress your friends uh, but yeah we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on this and we'll do an actual analysis and trade later uh, today so I want to dive into the news side because we've had a lot that's happened over the news and before I do this, I want to also bring up a tool that may, many, may, maybe many of you haven't seen. We we like to use our economic calendar throughout the week, and last week, Friday, Federal Chair Jerome Powell. Let's see if I can go back. Let's go back to uh, here it was interest rates. Well, this is going to all it's going to show is the speech. But yesterday we had consumer confidence pretty high. I'm I'm just looking at this really quick, guys. Initial jobless claims, nothing too alarming. The only thing that let me just bring this up so that you can see it. I want to go over what's happened this week in terms of data because it's been a really interesting week. Mixed a lot of mixed data and how we're reacting to it is is really fascinating. We got major bull runs in the market because Jerome Powell comes out and says, hey. We're going to pause rates. We're not going. To, we're no longer going to uh, do increases. But he also left a lot of room on the table for increases uh, in the future. And with inflation, which we'll talk about, inflation still on the rise, uh, we might be at that point where the plane's coming down for the soft landing, and it's going to be really long and really slow before it touches down. Now, yesterday we had CPI come in high the impact the actual was uh less than forecast we also had uh initial jobless claims which is the one i'm watching the most and if you remember the week before we had bad news on this and yesterday we did also we were predicting about 210,000 it came in seven over which is uh enormous guys this is this is the data point this is the the one card in this house of cards that i feel like is the weakest because all the other data points are already weak and once this one starts inflecting over the next couple weeks i'll be watching reporting and telling you kind of when that number clicks over to a point that it becomes a concern where we might see a a major tipping point in some markets all right so there's that let's jump in really quick i want to show you um this article let's see if we can bring this up really quick Because I think it's important to understand what's going on here. So this is. Just bring this up over here. There we go. So this was a video where Biden got interrupted by a protester calling for a ceasefire. And this. What he said in response has been taken across the world, the globe, whether it was intentional or not. And the language is also very unique and clever. And so I I thought it'd be uh, fun to watch this. Let me make sure that the audio is connected. Oh, yeah, it's connected. So here's this person here. We're going to watch this really quick. Very fine people on this side. (inaudible) <inaudible> that, Mr. Know. President, if oh my you God. care about Jewish people as a word rabbi, word? I need you to call for a ceasefire right now. No. Yeah, Get out! Get out, no, 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 no. out. Israeli really yeah, compliment. Oh. people on this guy. When yes. I that, I Mr. Know. President, if oh you my care God. about Jewish people as a rabbi So, as a response to this, rather than saying We are going to have a ceasefire. The president did make comments and asked for a pause, not a ceasefire, which I don't know what a pause would be. But I'm I'm no expert on the war uh, going on in Israel right now. The conflict goes back centuries, guys. uh, And something I would touch on is the reason Israel isn't going to do a ceasefire and they've actually come out and said this is a ceasefire would be a surrender. A ceasefire would be an acknowledgement of a loss or a victory. And right now they've, the troops are in their city. They're not going to do a ceasefire because they're literally trying to eradicate the damage that's been caused to them. And I think any country, anywhere, would react this way. And so there's not going to be a ceasefire. And I think the president is kind of, uh, not being direct and kind of treading this this thin ice not to upset either side because this is kind of this proxy war that the us. got itself into and frankly uh instead of a ceasefire saying a pause, which it's like what does that even mean? What does a, a pause uh in the war mean? It's like for a day or what 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 are we pausing so really interesting way to uh kind of phrase this. But the reason I bring up the war uh, in Israel, Hamas, uh, or end Hamas, I should say, is this has global impacts and it will affect uh, other nations. And right now I'm watching really closely to see if things are escalating or de-escalating because an escalation, uh, whether it's nuclear, whether it's Iran, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, and we're seeing all of them kind of commenting and lightly, I would say, taking sides. But the de-escalation has been uh, more noteworthy than not. And the news obviously doesn't get clicks talking about de-escalation. But what I will say is what's not happening. There's there's a lot that's not happening that's positive news. There's a lot of allies who aren't coming in and saying, hey, we're going to uh, provide additional support. There's not a lot of Uh, taking sides that's happening there's not a lot of sanctions that are that are happening there's not a lot of tariffs that are happening yet there's a lot of let's just sit back and kind of let this uh, problem de-escalate while Israel and their troops uh, go in to kind of regain the territory which they have been doing there's been uh, some movement that way all right so now kind of moving past the global economic uh, chaos that's going on right now, not to mention, uh, we're still in a proxy war with Ukraine, right? This this war with Ukraine has not ended while we're dealing with this uh, attack uh, against the Israeli people. We are dealing with our own problems here in the US. And one of those problems is inflation. And I want to share with you couple charts and a couple things that I thought was just fascinating and so we're going to bring this up really quick and for my listener audience I'm going to do the best job I can to describe what exactly you guys are seeing here but we're going to talk a little bit about inflation I'm going to start to tie a story together that's going to play into how 2024 may or may not play out based on the data that's coming in so I'm going to set you up I'm going to tee you up to be prepared because there's There's one major saying right now uh, that I really believe when things get to be uncertain. And that is that those who pretend or those who claim to have certainty or are completely lackadaisical lose in this type of market. The skeptical and the paranoid do the best. And so just keep that in mind. If you're feeling a level of anxiety or paranoia about the market right now, my response to that would be good. Like, thank goodness someone is paying attention because if you're not, if you're complacent right now or the opposite, too confident, you are likely in a position to lose. And that's the psychological tip for the training today is find, especially in markets like this, find yourself a little more, be okay, being a little more paranoid, a little more skeptical, a little less easily persuaded, and definitely do not give into complacency right now, guys. The VIX, where the VIX is right now is a clear sign that there's a lot of complacency in the market. And I I think it's completely inappropriate, meaning there's a lot that's going to happen that's going to affect these things. So uh, I wanted to show you this because this is a inflation report that is out of our country, but there's some data points here for US inflation also that I think is important. And I want to talk about how this 5% uh, number is kind of psychologically detrimental once we start going over it. And that includes interest rates, that includes CPI, like all the numbers, This like 5% is this, this pro- problematic uh, number. But if you look here, I want to show you actual um, inflation year over year and what I like about this chart that is different from some of the charts I've shown you guys in the past is this is year over year change in CPI and the two numbers or colors that you're seeing if you look at the bottom of the chart is inflation and then inflation excluding energy and motor fuels. So, inflation year over year or change in the consumer price index, if you were to take out energy and motor fuels, is higher. If you include energy and motor fuels for the first time ever, inflation year over year has deflated. So, we've gone through a year over year deflation of negative 0.4%. Now, a lot of you guys are going, What? That makes no sense. Things are higher. Things cost more. I'm feeling it more, and it's like, well, that's because actual inflation—they don't in—they actually don't include oil. They actually don't include uh, these cost of living. I mean, it's just bizarre. These these things that we include in our inflationary numbers, but for some reason, oil uh, and energy and cost of li- most importantly, cost of living, energy and oil are included, but cost of living uh, isn't. And it's like, how do this is a a cost for every American in this country is how much does it cost to rent? How much does it cost to buy? Uh, and how much does it cost to maintain wherever it is your standard of living is? So the very interesting data points. My only, uh, comment on this is you can clearly see we're on the downturn. However, do you guys know when depressions recessions start? This is a key moment takeaway from this training. Uh, Recessions start after inflation is over and we've raised rates. So typically, a recession hits when we pause or drop rates for the first time after a major rate hike. And as you know from my last podcast episode, we just talked about how we increased rates faster than we ever have over the last, don't quote me on this, but I believe the chart said 35 years. And now here we are finally in a what we would you would call a deflationary period and what comes next every time a recession now a lot of you guys are going to argue with me well matt we're already in a recession right and it's like no we're not a recession is actually calculable it's a equation it pulls in data points and we're not in a recession because of inflation and Inf- uh, once GDP is adjusted for inflation, we have this massive problem where uh, it looks good on paper, right? Your stocks look good on paper. Your equity in your home looks good on paper. Everything looks good on paper. But in reality, because of inflation, once you adjust, you actually see reality and it's like, whoa, we're actually in the negative. After all the inflation that's happened, like we talked about last week, 17 plus percent over three years. If your assets haven't grown that much in those three-year period, if if your home value, whatever, just fill in the blank, you're in a recession on that asset class. Well, the economy is in a similar state. However, it's not uh, adjusted for inflation. And So once we get inflation down, it's typically when you see those small windows of recessions come in. So if my prediction, and again, not trade advice, you guys know this, but my prediction is into next year, we're going into a recession. I don't see how we can't. And that's not bad news. It means we're going through the last cycle of taming this inflation, monetary reform to get, you know, basically the dollar stabilized uh, from all the spending, all this extra spending that we've done. All right. I wanted to show you this also. This is an interesting chart uh, short term price trends. According to the flash estimate, consumer price rose 0.5% in October relative to September. So we just went from this chart where it's like we're definitely in a deflationary period, but consumer prices of goods went up almost what went up half a percent from last month to this month. So year over year looks good because last year was pretty high still with inflation. Month over month, we just saw a bump up. So here's how I would describe this visually. Everyone describes inflation and all these inflationary pieces like a plane coming down on a landing strip. And I think it's actually a decent analogy. But what's happening right now is our inflationary plane, if we were to go back up to this chart, you could literally say the plane took off, the plane's coming down for its landing, how is it going to land? Well, like a plane, you typically start really flat and then take off slowly and then you get your incline once you're in the air. In the same way, when you're coming down in a plane, and I just did this flying into Arizona, you come down, you decelerate pretty quickly, but then once you get within a certain range, you typically slow the pace of your deceleration down. And at the very end, you do it the most because now you're moving more forward and you're really trying to bring the plane down in a way that's not going to disrupt the passengers. Well, that's what Jerome Powell is trying to do right now. He's trying to get inflation down without causing too much of a recession, without causing all these deflationary measures like housing market crashes like we had in the last market, or dot-com crashes like we had in 2001. And if you look at this chart, what I'm seeing is soft landing is not far off, even though we had a slight half a percent increase in consumer prices over month over month. It's kind of like the plane coming down. And if you've ever been on that plane, like at that last moment where the tip kind of comes up and maybe you elevate a little bit before you're landing, I would say that's what's happening here. I would say that's what's attempting to happen and how uh, the Federal Reserve reacts to this, which I think a no rate hike was appropriate, will allow room for adjustment as the plane starts to touch down and we try to make good contact with the pavement. All right, I wanted to talk about a couple other things about the CPI. I thought this data was uh, really interesting. If you look at, this is um, annual rate of change of uh, product groups and CPI takes in multiple numbers. And as you guys saw in the economic calendar that I showed previous, uh, CPI is something that's reported on very regularly. And this report shows it kind of broken down and where there's the most impact, where food, beverages, tobacco has gone significantly up year over year, almost 8 to 10%. So if you're going, gosh, it feels like food is so much more expensive than it was last year, it's because it is, about 10%. If you're feeling like your beverages, or you know maybe you're a smoker, or you consume tobacco, gosh, it feels like those costs have gone up. It's because it has, where energy, like electricity, motor fuels, uh, has dropped significantly year over year. And then non-industrial goods has gone up, and anyone who's gone out to try to find a handyman or someone out there to do work uh, on your house or your business or even your car, for that matter, uh, the demand is still pretty high. And so those services have gone up in October and September. So this is where you're seeing where inflation is coming in from, where we're seeing some deflationary uh, things happening. But you can see it's not all the same. It's not like when one thing climbs, the other thing climbs at the same rate. You can see that there are certain asset classes that just don't do that. They don't follow these trends. Okay, I think that was it on this one. Let's move into my next data piece, and this is all going to start to tie in to my conclusion of what next year is going to look like as there's going to be massive opportunities. In fact, how many of you guys remember 2008 and the housing market crash and how fearful, how uh, paranoid, well, paranoid's not a great word, how complacent people were before the 2008 housing market crash? And then after about 2010 to 2012, how many of you had this thought of like, gosh, I wish I had just leveraged everything I owned and bought every piece of property that I could have during that time period. Like I, I've i said that multiple times. And, and I did, you know, I got into my own home and we bought some other real estate. I got into some commercial stuff. However, I wish I had just leveraged it uh, completely Because of the deceleration and the deflation that happened in the market and what I am positioning for, what I am proposing in conflict with a lot of uh, analysts, uh, a lot of people. And by the way, they're changing their tune also. I was telling you guys about Barbara Corcoran, how she got on during the pandemic. And it's like, oh, yeah, commercial real estate is struggling, but residential. You don't need to worry about that. Well, literally last month, she changed her tone on that. And and it's because she knows she's wrong. She knows that the housing market's cooling. She knows mm-hmm. there's uh, price decreases happening in the market. And next week, I will be going over residential uh, real estate in depth with all my charts, all my analysis. And we are going into, obviously, a winter. So there's some seasonality things going on. But uh, supply is coming up. Demand is dropping. We're seeing price co- uh, cuts across the nation right now. But aside from that, what I want you to see is, we're, I'm going to start painting a picture about how the banks are going to have to deal with a lot of these adjustments and deflationary uh, issues. How Jamie Dimon's play that just happened is largely, uh, in my my opinion, is a sign. Like, if you're a CEO of one of the largest banks, right, J.P. Morgan Chase and you make a personal trade, I think that's pretty revealing on how things are going. Uh, And then office occupancy, we're going to talk about the CRE market. So we're really looking not so much today at uh, residential real estate, but we are going to do a commercial real estate weave because I think it plays into 2024 really well. And so we're going to start with this. Let me bring this article up just to kind of highlight a point. And what we're looking at here, folks, is the bank exposures to CRE. And I really was, I, I really enjoyed this article. And one of the reasons was that they really highlighted the total asset class, where most people aren't talking about like how much, how big of a problem is this. And so I just want to highlight this right here out of this article: that total bank exposure to commercial real estate across the country is currently at $3.6 trillion, 3.6. That's bigger than the stimulus and all the M2 injection that we did. This is enormous. And it's estimated to be 20% of their deposits, according to a recent uh, analysis of the Wall Street Journal and holdings by CMBS's loans that are uh, non-bank type lenders accounted for $623 billion. And I know about this too because I'm one of these lenders. I'm part of this group. <laughs> right? Because if you're an investor and you're acting as the cash for a deal or whatever, uh, you're gonna you're gonna typically fit into this category. The reason that this is a big deal, and we're gonna have to move pretty quick on this, guys. The reason this is a big deal is because Jamie Diamond, who happens to own one of these banks, well, he doesn't own but it has a significant share value in one of these banks. And as the CEO of JPMorgan Chase just came out and said that he is selling a significant 1 million of his shares, which is according to this article. Let's see if I can find it, how much it's going to be. Sure. Sh- $141 million. So this, this sale that he's saying he's doing for his family, and and by the way, the interesting news that's coming out around all of this, the news that's saying, like, oh, this is not irregular, this is not. Well, then why wouldn't he hold it? If he didn't think that the value of JPMorgan Chase wasn't going to go down next year, why wouldn't he be holding this? And what does he know about the internal structure of the bank, or maybe the bank, maybe JP Morgan Chase is fine, but some of these other banks that are holding CREs are in trouble. And because of that, uh, the commercial real estate market, not a matter of if, it's just when they have to refinance and and deal with these occupancy drops, uh, are going to have to finally have this coming to Jesus moment where they wake up and go, oh my gosh, we can't do this we're gonna to have to close down shop or give the keys back to the bank so i want to show you this chart this was this is where we're leading to let's see if i can pull this up yeah oh my gosh this chart and i really appreciate this there's a, a website called castle and castle systems does data on commercial uh safety and so this is a occupancy report that shows national occupancy over 2600 buildings in 138 cities and castle shows they're showing what is the back to work barometer you know if there's a temperature for if are people coming back to work and when and obviously butts in seats impacts like these huge high rises in these cities well how full are they Well, right now, nationally, I don't know if you guys knew this, 50% occupancy compared to pre-pandemic levels. Still, we have not, people are saying, oh, people are coming back to work. But no, either one of two things are happening. Either one, we've shifted the at-home work idea, or two, these companies are just not hiring these people back. And so this shows where we're at month month week to week we're about 50 percent, but this is the chart i want you to see look at this chart this is where we were in 2020 at about 100 occupancy meaning those big buildings that we had everywhere had these they were just full people were working in them i remember all my whole staff we had tons of square footage right even since the pandemic we've downsized because people just they work from home we don't have the demand for it well we've been climbing back up since 2020 through the pandemic, but it hit about, you know, we're about 50% like we talked about. And depending on the city, some are way better, or way worse. But this slope does not look like we're going back to 100% anytime soon. And the timing on this for next uh, next year, 2024, is imperative. We needed these to go back to full occupancy. This is how you state, the word is stabilize, but this is how you stabilize properties is you get about 90, 90 plus percent occupancy because that's the number that makes the whole project work. If you don't have 90 percent occupancy, if you don't have 90 percent of the people there, then your rents that would normally come in to pay those, they're just not, they're non-existent. And so if you had a a building, let me just play with this for just a second. If you had a building and you uh, had to make a payment of $10,000 a month for this and you got 90% gets you to about 12000 So you have about a $2,000 margin. Well, if you drop to 50%, that would take you to $6,000. So now you're making $6,000. You've got a $10,000 payment. And just play with this for a minute. And occupancy is now at 50%. And next year, sorry, bad news, you have to refinance. And a huge amount of these CRE loans, because we don't do commercial loans, guys in 10, 20, 30-year loans. No one does that. Every do- Everyone does them in three, five, maybe seven-year increments. They're ARM loans. The same type of loan that got us into the housing market crashed in 2008, right? There are these adjustable uh, loans that happen, and it's just common. This is what we've done in commercial real estate for years, uh, decades. And so what happens next year when now I'm only making 6,000, I owe 10,000 every month, and I have to refinance. So now my 10000 is going to go to 12000 and I'm only making cysts. It's just it adds injury to insult. And this is uh, what's stacking up into next year. And the, this is why I showed guys like Jamie Dimon are going, I'm selling my bank shares right now because whether or not J.P. Morgan Chase is going to deal with some of these issues or not, I don't know. But some of the banks and their CRE holdings are significant way over leveraged they like the problem with silicon valley bank uh was a lot of these commercial loans the problem with a lot of the bank failures we had this year were because of commercial loans and they didn't even have to refinance yet that's happening this next year that's happening into 2024 so hopefully a lot of these guys got things uh refinanced so ho- hopefully they've, they've got their books uh balanced out but i just do not see how this is going to play out well Uh, into 2024 guys so I am running out of battery uh, but not just that I'm at the end of our news so we're going to go into our S&P 500 trade we're going to go into our gold trade we're going to set those up and then we're going to let you guys get to the rest of your weekend so let's do this really quickly before this dies thanks for being on here by the way love doing this with you here's our gold trade I'm going to go through this really quick Again, not financial advice, do you guys own research, but here's Friday, here's our technicals. We are out of this channel. I'm gonna back this way up to see if we're in a bigger channel somewhere. We're not. So we're kind of in this new price point and because we haven't set a significant uh, down or ups trend yet, I'm gonna actually go in and delete our old trends so that we are not distracted by this. And so here is gold. And if I were to guess, and I don't like guessing, but if I were to guess just looking at the candles, we are likely in a consolidation period, meaning that things are consolidating. We hit that 2000 level, which gold just doesn't like that price. There's so much, there's so many trades at 2000 pushing this price down. If I were just to do a really quick analysis and where this is going it's going to want to play here for a while it's going to want to play here for at least a couple of days so maybe two days Market like this and then after that and when i say this for our non-viewers this is between the price of 1973 and 2000 it's it's just from a technical standpoint not fundamental obviously if we get some news of the world's going to end gold prices are going to go through the roof you need to be aware of that And then you're dealing with the 2049 support. And above that, we have no support. There's just nothing above that. Uh, Below though, we've got this 1882 level. So if these break, I'm just going to show kind of how they would play out. If this was to break either of these levels, you're going to have price movements into this area. Probably not very significant, but more so on the downside than on the upside. And it's just because of the technical levels. Make this a little skinnier. So here's what the breakouts would look like. Thinner to the upside. Uh, And this is all technical. Fatter on the downside, but mostly sideways. If I were to say what next week's going to look like, I I would predict, based on this analysis, sideways movement on gold. All right, so let's save that. Let's move over to our S&P 500 trade let's give you guys an analysis on this and then I'm going to let you guys go before my computer dies and here's our chart here's the day we are in a new trend and channel so I'm going to quickly draw this up for you guys let's bring this back Let's get rid of a couple tools that we're not gonna need. We're gonna adjust this channel, the large channel we're in also. But this is very steep. This is something very similar to what gold did. You guys remember this? This upward pressure into gold. But let's, I gotta zoom out and bring this channel down a little bit to adjust. I like that. So here's what we're up against on the S&P 500. We broke the 4331 levels. Unless we get some bad news, this no interest rate hike is driving a lot of dollars out of people's savings accounts, out of money market accounts and back into the market. I would say a lot of this is our retail traders, probably not large institutional traders. However, here's how I would draw this up. We've got room to the top of the channel. We also have significant resistance at the 4,473 level. If I were to draw this in, for Monday, Monday's likely gonna live in this space here. Come on. Don't be shy. <laughs> hmm. Doesn't like me drawing on top of each other. There we go. So Monday's likely to live in kind of this space here. So I'm gonna draw this over. And then Tuesday, through the rest of the week, we're kind of looking at a price action that's likely going to live in here, but you've got this downward pressure from this channel. So don't don't discredit that. Don't set your take profits, you know, way uh, into the 440 or the 4,473 level. You really want to be cautious of this. And so looking at the trade setup, you could have take profits definitely towards the bull side, set your stops below the 4331 level, But if we get up to the top of this channel, I would be a little bit more bearish, technically, and I'd be setting my stop above wherever the price is as this kind of uh, delineates. It comes down over the next couple of days because this slope, this resistance is somewhat sloped. So there you go, guys. That is our analysis on gold. I'm going to save this one also so we don't lose it. That's our analysis on the S&P 500 for next week. Uh, You'll probably be able to find a handful of trades just using these charts going into next week. But that wraps up our week. And uh, yeah, looking forward to next week because next week we're going into the real estate residential side. And I think uh, you're you're not going to want to miss it. I I already have the data. It's the third, so I already have the data on this. You can go to my charts. I'll be updating it actually today. Um, But next Friday, I'll be going over it. Conclusively, and I think you're going to want to see uh what's going on in the country. All right. Thanks so much for being on here, Market Pulse members, and we will see you uh same time, same place next week. Thank you so much. Goodbye.